and welcome back to Castle Rock Critical. Guys, it is over. It, it is oh. over. So, uh, quick spoiler warning, we're going to be discussing the whole of Castle Rock Season 1, you know, specifically Episode 10, titled Romans, uh, but we are going to be talking about all of the season. We're also going to be talking about any Stephen King adaptations, any novels that relate to the show in any way in our King Corner segment. So just a spoiler warning there off the bat. For another very rare occasion, and it is very rare, I know it happened last week, but it is rare, <laughs> uh, we have the whole gang together again. Say Woo! hello, gang. We gang, have gang, John. Gang. Oi, hello. Oi, oi. Emma. Hello. Lucy. Good evening. And over in Australia, Gareth. Good morning. Very early morning for you, mate. Very. We've been talking a lot about this finale and whether or not it would satisfy us and whether the showrunners were juggling too many balls or posing too many questions um, that they just would not be able to answer in 10 hours of television. So I'm going to throw it open to you guys to start off the episode, uh, to start off the podcast. Are you happy with the finale? And for anyone listening for the first time, give it your blueberry scale rating. And the blueberry scale system works like this. It's zero to five, zero being the worst, five being the best. There can be no halves. Okay, so it's a very harsh scale. And I have a feeling that this episode, more than any other, is going to be extremely divisive. I'm going to throw it over to our little buddy over in Australia, Gareth, <laughs> first, uh, because I think he might have a more positive spin on the finale. Gaz, what's your thoughts, mate? I, can, I, I knew you were going to come to me first for a bit of positivity, and I have got some positivity. I'm not going to say I'm, like, swimming in it, though. The uh, overall, as an episode of TV, was it a good episode of TV? Yes, it was. Did it give me everything that I wanted from the finale of this show that for at least eight episodes was absolutely amazing? Probably not quite. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to go for... In terms of blueberries, I'll give you my blueberry score, Ellie. It's the same as last week, I'm afraid, Alex. It's a a three blueberry. Mm. Uh, who's that? Who's uh, Alex? And for any, anyone wondering, yes, my real name. Thank you for thank you for revealing my true identity. Expose. I was hiding behind this facade of a man, but now you've revealed it to everyone. But still, everyone, please do call me Len. Continue, Gareth. This happens when when we're having very serious conversations, which mm. this clearly is. Mm. Um, for me, I think the the episode um, the episode had pacing issues, and for the first half of the episode I was I was just like can we can we start solving a few things please um can we see something revealed or some kind of answer given to us the second half picked up massively and and you know it there were some there were some great scenes once again um some great atmosphere in this episode um as there has been throughout the, the season and um some of the answers were provided to us but it didn't quite do enough for me. And that's why it's getting the... Th- I, I would love another episode, to yes. be honest. Very, very, very good point. I'm going to throw it over to Emma next. Emma is the most Red King member of the group. Then Lucy is second. They will argue about this till the end of time. But as Emma's in control of King Corner, I have to give her that you know accolade. Emma, what are your thoughts on the finale? Well, I am the most literate of the group. That is true. Um, no, I think Ooh. between Lucy and I, uh, we probably have the most immense Stephen King knowledge of all time. 
Okay. I, I doubt that's true, but yeah, plus, we'll say plus, that it's pretty good. Plus Lennon. It would be nice to hear some of it. So I have been utterly absorbed in the uh, King <laughs> multiverse. Absorbed, yeah, go on. Utterly. Utterly <laughs> absorbed for maybe the last two months, three months, actually. Probably three months, yeah. Three months, yeah. Um, and recently I've been reading some slightly alternative things that are not necessarily <laughs> Castle Rock based. Right. <laughs> So, um, where's, it, where's, this, where's this going? Yeah. No, I gave John my Blueberry rating yesterday, and mm. I thought Ooh, I was going to change Private messaging, it not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you no, know. that's strange. That's going against uh, the code. <laughs> well, he asked for it. I sat down this morning when I didn't want to do any work, and I thought about what do I believe and what do I not believe is happening in Castle Rock in this season, and I made a list. I'm not going <clears> to <throat> list it to you. Don't worry. Um, but I also thought about how I felt about the episode and I thought I was going to change my score, but I'm not. And I think this might be the first of this episode that I have given season. this, uh, yeah, this season that I have given this score. Oh God, I'm, I'm um, dreading this. But for me, <laughs> X Factor, come on. But for me, <laughs> yeah. This is this is a five out of five. Oh my god! Did not see that coming. See, this is what Whoa. I mean. The episode will divide and conquer us all. Do you want to know why? Um, no. no, no. Yes, I do. Yes. No, I mean, so for me, um, Stephen King has become my life for the last three months because, god. oh my god, King Corner. Um, but Stephen King finishes uh, the majority of his novels, novellas, and short stories yes. <clears throat> with ambiguity. 100%. Uh, but for me, I really like that. So I like to end something with, uh, I've made my own mind up about what I think has happened and what I think is real and what I think is, oh, Henry Skarsgård or not Skarsgård um, <laughs> reality. And and I've come up, I've come up with my own perspective and i really like that i still like ending it with questions i don't mm. want yeah. there are some things that i wanted to be answered like why did dale lacy uh decapitate himself with a rope with yeah, a dog we'll, we'll come on to all that um, yeah but actually in the grand <clears throat> scheme of it fucking excellent episode Loved well it. i like the way that this is already turning out to be one of the most uh fluctuating in terms of scores episodes of, or podcasts we've ever done john is Absolutely raging because he can't appreciate other people's opinions. Now, Lucy, you've been pretty positive about the season in general. I would say you've given it an average of about four four blueberries. I'd say probably on average, on yeah. average. Yeah, average. Uh, what What is your take on this episode? Hot take. Okay, my hot take is episode had quite a lot of problems. Um, I agree with a lot of what's been said by Emma and Gareth. Um, I don't need every question answered, but there was stuff that I think it's not just ambiguity. It's plot holes. Um, some of the acting was just really excellent as it has been throughout the show which I think has lifted it above kind of <clears throat> what I think most people were expecting of the show I think the the script the acting um, the sort of the set design and also the soundtrack has lifted it above kind of mediocre definitely definitely true um, I agree with Gareth saying that the pacing was off I originally I wasn't happy with how it ended and then the more I thought about it a bit like Emma I kind of drew my own conclusions I still wasn't sure about how it's presented um ultimately um because you can't do halves I'm gonna give it three blueberries interesting so we've got a, a three a three a five I'm shooting it over to the to the main the main man of anger the main man of he what will... shit name that is yeah <laughs> the main man of anger it's like the Hulk 
Um, oh, say that then. No, but basically, John John is usually the more grounded member of the group. He doesn't bow to hype unless it's the Avengers, in which case he will bow to hype. Correct. But here he goes. John, your hot take on the season finale of Castle Rock. <clears throat> well, look, I, I think I'm, I'm probably going to surprise you, Len. Because you're going to give it a two. It's five. Bl- no, not <laughs> obviously not. Uh, genuinely, I, I agree with everyone thus far. Um, to an extent, everyone is other than Emma, who's um, deluded because uh, there's, there's no way it's uh, it's a five blueberry. But there you go. Look, uh, as an isolated episode, if that's episode nine, mm. I'll give it four blueberries. Yeah, I can because. See that. I would be like, I'm intrigued to see how they're going to wrap this all up. Yes. To end it like that. And mm. I, I I agree with, uh, you don't have to answer every question. You do have to answer some of them. Mm. Because otherwise, the rest of the season is, is just pointless. Like 70% of what you see in this season mm. is is pointless there are certain characters that just don't need to be there mm. um you don't need to have like multiple red herrings yeah uh, like uh, for me i was uh, I, I couldn't believe that that was the end of the episode the end of the season yeah um and unfortunately it's, it's gonna have to be because of the impact on the rest of the season which is where you'll probably see quite a dramatic change in my scoring of the season yes which we'll discuss it will next dis- we'll week. discuss that in a wrap-up podcast um correct. i'm gonna have to give it a two blueberries okay so let's recap gareth three uh lucy three emma five john two and we're gonna come on to my review next now before i give my judgment on the finale i'm gonna do something that i don't usually do here and i'm gonna share something from reddit This is a post I came across on Monday after we had done our Castle Rock live session with Historical Society. And if you haven't heard that yet, it's a lot of fun. Go check it out. Uh, We had a great time. We're going to be doing another one. So more on that later. This was a post from Reddit user Zombabies. First of all, as Emma and John know, I'm obsessed with Zombabies in Walking Dead and how we haven't seen one yet. Game of Thrones. And anything like that. Barbie Dwarf Baby. Anything like that. Anything like that. Uh, You know, give me Zombabies. Um... (laughs) But, uh, but bear this bear this in mind, guys. This was posted five days before the finale, and this is what was said. It's a bit long, but I think we need to give it some attention. I'm going to ask you all to analyse the episode as we go through it with this in mind, and listeners to do the same. This is what was said by Zombabies on Reddit. If you think that the finale is going to deliver an answer as to the exact nature of the kid, you are going to be disappointed. Think back to episode one when we first meet Henry Deaver. He delivers a speech about the nature of reasonable doubt. He asks the jury specifically, how much doubt are you comfortable with? When trying to save his client from the death penalty. This is the arc motto of the season. Just want to stop it there. Bang on was even on the previously on for this episode. Yeah. Well done, babies. Let's continue. Back to, the, back to the post. In many ways, the show has functioned in the same way that a criminal trial has. The prosecution has presented its case. The kid is an unaging, strange and aloof. Terrible things happen to everyone who touches him and he seemingly carries an aura of death wherever he goes. Pangborn presents the prosecution and Warden Lacey's conclusion. The kid is the devil or at least some supernatural element that causes evil to occur in Castle Rock. In order to continue to protect Castle Rock, the kid must be jailed and cannot roam free. 
After presenting all the evidence, the defence then presents its rebuttal in the form of the kid's testimony. The kid alleges that he is a victim of supernatural circumstances, that he is not responsible for what is happening around him, and that simply he needs to get back to the woods so he can return home, after which everything will return to normal. How much do you believe the kid when he tells you that he's innocent after having seen all of the evidence? Would you allow the kid to leave Castle Rock through the woods if it meant literally allowing the devil to roam the earth? Are you left with reasonable doubt as to the kid's innocence? Yes. The evidence both for and against the kid is circumstantial. The presence of supernatural elements blends together seamlessly with rational explanations of events. Does Ruth have supernatural abilities to see across dimensions? Or does she just have Alzheimer's? Was Zalewski's massacre inspired by the kid's touch? Or was he just at the end of his rope? Do bad things happen in Castle Rock because of bad luck? Or is it caused by a curse? We know that when first released, the kid reviewed the probation movie which explicitly guided him on the importance of creating his new identity. We also know that he has been watching Rev Diva's videos of Henry and has been, it seems, closely reviewing Henry's life. Was he doing this in an attempt to remember who he was? Or was he doing this to craft a more convincing lie? Likely the finale won't tell us, though it will perhaps answer some leftover questions. The nature of his problem and doubt will make itself known to Henry in the last episode. Ultimately, Henry will likely have to make the decision to release the kid or detain the kid. We will be left with a sense of unease as we watch the kid vanish or be imprisoned, never knowing if the correct decision was made. In a sense, we are the members of the jury. We are each making out determination of guilt and innocence, and just like members of a real jury, we will never know if the correct decision was made. Right. Wow. That has to be, and I follow a lot of shows on Reddit, the most bang-on comment on a show I've ever read on Reddit. That is verbatim what happened in the episode, what the showrunners are going for, before the show even aired... The finale even aired. So, Zombabies, if you're listening, excellent. It's probably J.J. Abrams. Yeah. <laughs> Zombabies is clearly from an alternate dimension where Castle Rock came out last week. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. that's what's happened there. So, guys, I'm going to, you know, riff on that and say, you know, please look at the episode from that light because, you know, I read that before the episode aired and I was like, well, that's, that's pretty interesting. And then after the episode and I was left questioning you know, the ambiguity of it all. I remember reading that post and I went back and I, you know, I saved it and I, and I put it on the podcast because I think it's so important. I think it's absolutely the best take I've seen on the show. We said last week that, you know, we wanted, I wanted personally closure for the characters. Now I'm going to talk about Lost again and people like it when I talk about Lost apparently. Uh, you guys don't, <laughs> nope. but I do. And so do some of our listeners. Um, some. The thing, the, thing that the, the thing that Lost did very well was handled its characters and the character journey extremely well. Fuck all of the supernatural stuff that goes on. Fuck all of it. It's all background Whoa. noise, right? And what they did excellently was the characters. All I wanted to see from the finale was closure for some of our characters. And I think, to an extent, we did get some form of closure for our characters. We had Henry now accepting his new role, Molly moving away from this tragedy, Wendell somehow survived, and Ruth sadly passed away. Um, and we'll come on to that later. That was devastating. But, you know we have closure on some of these characters i didn't want the characters to be left too much in a state of flux you know they they do have i can see them living their lives now and i can envisage what they are doing at the end of the season 
Um, we did get some answers. We got, you know, the fact that we know that Henry pushed the Rev off the cliff. We know why he did it now, the motivations behind his actions. But there is still a lot that is unanswered. And for me, there were too many questions unanswered. I love the ambiguous ending. And I love the fact that the, they asked us to make up our, our own minds about the show. I mean, think about a great film like Inception. Did the same thing at the end of the film. It's asking you, hey, here's all the evidence. You decide which way you want to take it. Am I satisfied with the episode? Yes. Do I think the episode did enough for the characters? Yes. Am I slightly disappointed? Yes. But for me, given what they had there and what they could have done, there was so much in the air, I'm going to give it a four. It, the ending alone is one that made me think about it for, for days now. Um, and I've watched it three times and I think it's still so open to interpretation. And for me, I like things that make me think. So, and make me like, I'll still, it'll crop up in my mind every now and then in a couple of days time. I'll be like, hmm, you know, what, what was going on there? And it makes me question my own morality and what I would have done in a situation. So, and I like that about a show. So it's a four for me. So a very spread, uh, group of results on blueberries this week, but I think, the finale is deserving of a divisive score and most finales usually are. And we've got to treat this very specially because it's the end of a, of a series, essentially. You're not going to see these characters again. The next story is going to be completely different. So if this was, if we were going to see Henry and Molly and all these characters again in season two, we probably would have been, some of us would have been lighter on the scores because there's obviously more story to tell next season. But because this is so closed off, we've got to treat it like it's the end of a journey. Yeah, an end of a show. So that's why it's going to prove to be very divisive. And it has proved to be very divisive here and on Reddit and all of the reviews. We bookended the season and this episode with a question of morality. And and for me, that's, that's fucking great because you are walking away from it, whether it's good or bad, whether it's the two blueberry or a five blueberry, you're coming away thinking about it, right? You're thinking about the morality of those choices and you're thinking about why have you not answered some of these questions? And that for me is why part or well, 50% of the reason why it's a, a five blueberry. A lot of King novels, whether or novellas or short stories or whatever it might be, end with ambiguity. And that might be frustrating for some people. Mm. But as a reader that loves the King canon, for me, that's fucking perfect. Yeah, and I, and I, I understand that. I understand uh, From that. my perspective, but I get how it could be a one or a two or a zero. I blueberry. can understand that. If people haven't read a lot of the material and they don't necessarily enjoy that form of storytelling, once again, it is... It's personal preference on forms of storytelling. You, know. you don't always get a resolution. No. In and that's Stephen life. King. And that's life as well. You'd, right, exactly. You know, sometimes, like John said, you know, what are these characters there for? Sometimes people are just there. There oh. aren't necessarily a destination. There is not yeah. a destination A to B. Things do not get finished. Things do not get explored. And that is life. And, you know, I prefer shows which have grey characters, unrealistic, you know, endings in terms of you don't have to have the happiest of endings. Sometimes questions posed are more powerful than, you know, it's like a horror film. If you see the monster, it's far less terrifying. terrifying. It's not, it's, if you get an explanation of it, it's the mystery is part of what creates the aura around the show. And, and for me, it did, it did enough. I think we've debated the score enough at this stage. We can come back to it at the end of the episode, but I think it's time we move on because there's a lot, a lot to get through. People joining us for the first time. Hello and welcome late to the party but 
we value you being here and please do subscribe. But the way we do things is, first of all, we're going to do a scene by scene recap where we're going to go through the most crucial scenes of the episode. We're going to talk about our thoughts about them, what they could mean related to other texts and all that sort of stuff. Then we're going to move on to King Corner, which is our own separate section for anything related to Stephen King in the episode and for the whole season, potentially. And then we're going to move on to listener feedback. Uh, so I think it's time we jump into the scene by scene. Hello, yes, it is me once again. The season is over, but we aren't done just yet. Um, This is an advert section, and I'm just here to say that we will be releasing a season wrap-up. Same time next week, exactly the same time this episode is usually out, we'll do a season one wrap-up. We are also doing another Castle Rock live with our fellow podcast, Castle Rock Historical Society. We did one last Sunday. The participation was excellent. The questions from you guys, the listeners, was absolutely brilliant. It kept the discussion going for hours and hours. Uh, We would have stayed there for longer if we could, but it was a Sunday and uh, it was quite late here in the UK. Um, that will be happening again this Sunday again at the same time of 1pm Eastern Standard Time or 6pm Greenwich Mean Time if you're here in the UK. Uh, we're going to post the link across our social channels and on Reddit on the day, but also a couple of days before we're going to be hyping it up on the social channels as well just to get you guys uh, aware that it's going on. So please do join us for that chat. It was awesome. Uh, it was just me and John there last time. John can't make it this time, but there'll be a couple of other, other people from Castle Rock Critical here. And please do get involved. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, and we had a drink and we had a laugh and we had a chat and it was so much fun. Also to say, we will be keeping this podcast going in the off season. We'll be covering Stephen King films books every two weeks or so still releasing on the same day that we do now so please do stick with us all the way to season two we're also going to be announcing any pre-production news about season two what we think the story might be a couple of bits of speculation all that sort of stuff but we do have a favor to ask you if you could please subscribe to this channel that'd be amazing but if you could also uh, check out our other channel fan critical which is also on any podcast app stitcher spotify or tune in we would be very much appreciative it covers loads of event films we're going to be doing the predator next week we're going to be doing loads of horror films anything in the cinema we've done all the marvel films star wars game of thrones stranger things black mirror you name it we pretty much cover it so if you like any of that stuff please do head over there and subscribe we really do appreciate it and that's it back to the recap so we open the episodes with Dale Lacey, a character we have not seen probably for about four or five episodes now. His name, you know, has been has been rumbling around, but we haven't actually seen him. Uh, and we did say in Castle Rock Live, and we also said in previous podcasts that the season might bookend with a, with a Lacey sort of story, right? Mm-hmm. So here we have Lacey and the kid down in the the hatch, the lost like cell, as it would be. You know, this is probably days before he tops himself as he's referencing his retirement. He says some interesting things here, and this is this is what he says. They painted over my parking spot today. Painted blue. Little white man in a wheelchair. I thought, well, that's about right. I never had kids because of you. I waited on retirement. Waited for instructions from him. I'm going to mention Lost again because they put it in there on purpose. White man in a wheelchair, he says. Unbelievable reference to Lost. Loving it. Absolutely loving it. You guys cannot have a go at me for that one. They definitely use Terry O'Quinn. Mm. 
in a, and I hate to say it, I hate to back you up, Len, but a lot of lost references. A lot of lost references. Massively. Maybe he was just like there to represent the boss from old school. Did anyone think about that? <laughs> Ooh, that that's tenuous. Boss? That's no. tenuous. That is tenuous. I'll go with it. Um, interesting here that Dale Lacey goes to shoot him but can't do it. Um, John, are you thinking that's something similar to what happens at the end of the episode? Perhaps a nice mirroring with what we get with Henry later on? Well, potentially, but I mean, let's just let's stick to scene. Yeah. Um, why does he not shoot him? Why does no one shoot him, Reason- ever? Reasonable doubt, I think. And it comes back to that question of reasonable doubt. I think Lacey, like Henry, has the same doubts in their mind. And the Rev even had it when he captured uh, alternate Henry, if we believe that to even be a thing. Um you know, are they the devil? Am I 100% certain they're the devil? Am I convinced that this boy isn't just some innocent, you know, I, right. creature that I've picked up? Because obviously he doesn't age, so that, so it is weird. Yeah. But, but you know, to kill someone obviously takes a lot of... Um, it's a big choice. It's a big decision. And, and Oh, right, okay. So what I'll do is I'll lock him up in a fucking basement for 27 years instead. It like, is better than yeah. murder. It's only better than murder for the person not doing the act because for the person stuck down in a dark hole for 27 years I can guarantee I'd rather be dead so yes well it depends on who you are well I'm not a mole well the kid yeah but the kid puts his head forward he's like the kid sticks his head forward and goes he's like go on have a crack unless he's trying (laughs) to put on the little puppy dog eyes and say oh please please don't very good so we'll come back to guns in faces and almost killing people love that album <laughs> yeah yeah great album it's our first album um so a lovely track a lovely track talking about music good segue john uh, a lovely track comes in here Death don't have no mercy in the land Death don't have no mercy He'll come to your house and it won't stay long. You look in the dead and somebody'll be gone. Death don't have no mercy in the land. That's Reverend Gary Davies, you know, a bit of blues. Death don't have no mercy. Lovely stuff. Gareth, have you enjoyed the music in this show? I know that me and you are big fans of soundtracks, um, movie soundtracks and all that sort of stuff. Have you enjoyed it? I've, I've, I've absolutely loved the, the soundtrack in this, this, uh, this show. It's been, um, it's been absolutely beautiful at times. It's been haunting. It's been, um, there have been some jolly, jolly tunes as well uh, when needed. Um, the odd jolly one, yeah. The odd, the odd jolly ballad. Um, there's also been some songs that that were kind of traditionally jolly and have been turned into absolute nightmare material. Um, <laughs> Animal crackers. La, la, don't, la, la, don't do it. Don't do it. It's it's still dark here. I'm terrified. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that that has been one of the absolute highlights of the show, and it's something that's been consistently brilliant. I think every single episode has just nailed the music. Definitely. And as we, as this music plays, we see basically just a recap of all of where our characters are. So you've got Wendell getting off the bus. You've got Henry skirting the scene of a murder, trying to follow the noise of the schisma. And then I was like, wait a minute. Roof's on a bridge again. Mental. What's going on there? 
Can you believe that? Mm. On a bridge again. She just loves bridges. She's just a big fan of architecture. That's true. And Pangborn Bridge would have some semblance of, you know, something for her, right? Then we join the kid and Molly again. And he says, you believe me, don't you? Says the kid to Molly. Yes. And I just say with this bit, um, I thought this is the first time that I felt like the kid, like Bill Skarsgård, he seemed really threatening. Yeah. He seemed like he was getting really Ooh. agitated and like impatient. And before he's up to me, he just seemed like creepy, but like a bit sad. And now he seemed dangerous. Like I thought his acting in this scene was so good. Like when he said that to her, his whole face changed and he mm. looked really like Ooh, not yet. threatening. <laughs> no, but you, you know what I mean? Like, later. His like sad expression went and he just looked like furious. Yeah. It was very good. Yeah, but, but at, least, at least that's ambiguous. Mm. Well, yeah, it is. Mm. But I, I noticed it. But yeah. Um, I don't know if that was ambiguous. I think it was a very clear like face switch. And, and we're not talking about the end of the episode, but <laughs> at this point, talking about that, he went from going, "Oh, you were the you know chair council woman thing. Oh, you got your gazebo and all. Yeah. You believe me, right?" This next line maybe will sway opinions on it. I mean, just think about the line itself and think about the way he might be manipulating people here. Molly asks, uh, "What what was I like in the other?" Reality. Well, I've just told you for an hour what you were like, but yes, okay, here we go. Yeah. Happier is what he says. Um, of course he says she's happier. So You were well fit. Yeah, you were like you were all like trim, you've been going down ten, the gym. Yeah, ten pounds lighter. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's what every woman wants to hear. Anyway, moving on. So the unreliable narrator theory is in play at the start of the episode. We move on. Henry driving, you know, through his in his crazed schisma state. He sees a flock of birds overhead. And we've spoken a lot about the birds in this season and the fact that they want to kill themselves. And we've mentioned the dark half, you know, sparrows in that book and how, what the meaning of them is. And we'll go on to it again in King Corner, probably. Um, but we get more suicide birds here. They derail Henry. I mean, come on, Henry, mate. It's not like a deer. Just, you know, deal with it. And he crashes. Yeah. But it was pretty creepy. Reminded me of Hitchcock's The Birds a little bit. You know, mm. it's pretty... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Proper they love old, smashing windows. Proper old school horror sort of thing. So I like what they're doing there. Mm. Um, and animals killing themselves is just weird anyway. They shouldn't really do it. So You've got to say, though, the the little like, mini building site that he crashes into, that's inconveniently placed, isn't yeah. it? Like, who's leaving a pile of bricks on the side of the road? <laughs> There's no one else on the road either, apart from one police car. <laughs> so we cut to titles, and after the titles, we have Molly um, finding Ruth uh, standing on the bridge, and I loved their conversation. It's me, it's Molly. Why don't you come down from there? No, dear, I would, but I've got to get to the hospital. You see, I love Alabama morning. So I'll stay at the hospital three extra days this time. And Alan will be at my side. How about that? Ruth, please. Oh, God. Please come down. Ruth, Alan's dead. I know that. I'm the one who shot him. But he's also alive. Other times. There's zigs and zags, folks in the river, always changing, always the same. Alan's dead, Alan's alive. Been here before, be here again. You and me on the bridge. Please, let's just go home. Oh, you always say that. Every time. 
one of those other times. You left Matthew. You went away with Alan. You already had a bag packed. First time you said that. I think this was probably the best scene in the show for me, acting-wise, um, and it tied up some loose threads quite elegantly did it did it though and this is a question i'm going to ask you guys right now <laughs> interesting interesting at the end of the queen we had the same discussion and for the last two episodes we've also had the same discussion there are two ways to take this whole interaction and the roof situation they're posing us questions like they are at the end of the episode the whole show is asking us to make our own mind up is roof traveling different realities you say that every time she says. Or is this just a woman suffering from the horrific disease of Alzheimer's? You know, guys, I want to know. After that conversation, after that conversation and what we sort of maybe know, I mean, some of it's unreliable, what are your thoughts? Can it be both? It can be both. And I'm a big fan of the both theory. Yeah, I um, think it's both. Should we, we're all team both. I mean, John, what you you team both? Team neither. Uh, <laughs> Mag- magical power. Magical power. John's team uh, just kill Roof already. I'm magical bored of it. power. <laughs> Gareth, team, 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 both. I really like the sound of John's magical power. <laughs> so I'm, I'm jumping in. Um, I agree. It's 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 probably both. But I also think, you know, who it, we don't know. It doesn't matter. There's no there's no real evidence either way. I want you guys to listen to this line that Roof says right now. City SpaceX has been phenomenal this season and I think she should rightly be nominated for some sort of accolade, be it Emmys or whatever other, you know, Writer's Choice Awards, anything like that. Golden Globe. Golden Globe, any of that. MTV Kiss of the Year. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. With Alan. Alan, That'd be sweet, wouldn't it? Um, But I just want you to listen to the last way she says this line. First time you said that. Literally like Yoda, she did it. (laughs) Literally like Yoda. It, it it really snapped me out at the moment because it was such a beautiful scene and the way she delivered that line was just, it was comical. Oh, I liked it. I didn't uh, find look, it funny. I enjoy Yoda. When he appeared in Last Jedi, spoilers, I was very excited. <laughs> oh my God. If you haven't seen Last Jedi, just Get what are you podcast. doing, man? Um, that's what John would usually say whenever I say yes. any of that sort of stuff. Yes. Um, back at Shawshank, which we haven't seen for a while, which is quite surprising when you think about it. We haven't seen The Warden and we haven't mm. seen um, Shawshank for a while. Afterthought. It is a bit of an afterthought, but this is quite tragic in a way and also celebratory. Shawshank is closing its doors. Good. Very good, right? I mean... Why? But, but well, it's... Something a, horrible in it's there. It's literally... Evil. I can't think of a worse place to exist. Correct. Yeah, it's not got the best track record, has it? No. Yeah. Let's... No, definitely not. I have a massive Death concern penalty. that they're closing the prison. Where are they going to go? Well, and I, and I think the big concern for the town of Castle Rock is the fact that there's no that's the biggest income or the biggest earner mm. for people in yeah. Castle County. So that closing is actually going to have a very detrimental effect on the community as a whole. The warden, after, you know, presiding over, you know, the failure of a hundred-year-old institution, heads home, has a cigarette, probably some strong alcohol, and she finds a little soap carving, um, which we now know is the kid. Very weird. And it pays off in, as Emma would say, spectacular fashion later on. But when we get to that, I think we all know what scene we're talking about. It's it's going to be delicious. 
We then have a scene back in 1991 when the Rev was walking with Henry in the woods at night. We've seen a lot of these guys. I mean, Jesus, we've seen a lot of them. But this one finally gave us a bit more information and something they've been wanting to know for a long time. I know you don't hear us. And I know why you don't. You see, I figured out the problem, Henry. She's the problem. She's forced you to deceive me the way that she's deceived me for the last year with the sheriff. She lies with another man, and that's a sin in the eyes of the Lord. But soon your mother will be called home, and when she's gone, we will live pure, just the two of us, in the cathedral of his voice. Gone where? For the wages of sin is death. Romans. Romans. 6.23. That's a father's son. What are you going to do? She's left me no choice. Henry? We've referenced religion a lot in this podcast, and we've referenced different verses of the Bible a lot in this podcast, <laughs> and probably more so than I've ever done in my life. I didn't think we'd ever reference the Bible as much in no, any of our podcasts. No, but we <laughs> literally <laughs> have. Life, and, you know, I have to say, Google, I'm, I'm not overly religious. Um, I'm agnostic, if anything. But um, I've always thought that. Yeah, just okay. can't make my mind up. <laughs> um, nice. But to be honest reading all of these uh, different interpretations of different passages of the Bible has been fascinating. Um, and just as a text, it's just so interesting to study. Yeah. Um, and Romans 6.23 here, you know, said by the Rev is like, you know, we've got, I'm going to kill her because, you know, sin should be punished with death. The wages of sin is death. Exactly. Sex die. But the meaning of this passage actually means that if you sin, you do not get eternal life. So it's, it's saying your mortal life is fine, oh. but the gift from God, eternal life, is taken away from you if you sin, which is obviously true because you'd be damned to hell mm. uh, and not given eternal bliss. Um, the Rev obviously take this in a very sort of, you know, matter of fact way yeah and he's had enough because as we know the rev may be uh, a preacher he may be um you know committed to god or the voice of god but he definitely also sins all of the time right he's not exactly hypocrite. the most sane man right absolute hypocrite he's an absolute hypocrite guy <laughs> um what len or the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah what are we talking about could be yeah i am the rev sorry guys <laughs> turns out you know he knows about ruth sleeping around he says he's gonna well kill. is she sleeping around or is she having an well, affair with a nice man that... well, she's just in love she's he's sleeping sleep- around yeah. sorry well, well, sleeping if you're sleeping around with more than one person i'm gonna hold on i'm gonna say something here if you're married <laughs> and you go and sleep with someone else that is a terminology i'm gonna say sleeping around is no, absolutely fine Having an affair, Correct. sleeping around, shagging everything that moves. Correct. Right, for... Uh, Take it from those who know. Right, okay, yeah. John, as the only married man here... <laughs> Fact. Go. You lonely people. Yeah. Fuck off. Um, no, uh, Len, I'm going to agree. Uh, With the ladies? No, absolutely not. Fuck ladies you. as well. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no, sleeping around is acceptable terminology. No. Um, but what I would say is, why would you expect him to say... Well, look, you know, she's sleeping around with a lovely man. No, no, she's sleeping in one place with one man. She's not sleeping around. Yeah, she's having an affair. I am awarding my vote to the ladies, actually. Yes, yes, totally agree. Finally, all the ladies sticking together. She's she's not sleeping around. She's 
seeing some guy that she's in love with rather than her abusive husband. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Gaz, can I ask? No. Um, would your opinion change if you knew what they were getting up to was a bit... Jesus, man. Bit What's like, that mean? Bit. I'm just saying, it's like, biblical. it's not... Well, it's not love. It's more like lust. They love like, each other. You know, they're, they're going like... away. They're going away to the overlook. It's yeah. getting Ooh, a bit. Hello. hello. I reckon Ruth, Pangborn, Lady Gaunt. that little dog man costume fella. What is overlook, that? Overlook. The guy that dresses a dog in the overlook. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that guy. Uh... Yeah. All bear, three of them. Pig man. So well, that would, that might be sleeping around. But that that's would not be. What we're talking that sounds in. like sleeping around. Sorry about our chat about affairs. Um, but Henry, obviously <laughs> fearing for his for the roof, decides, Jesus, man, this guy is mental. Not only he's been dragging me out in the woods, now he wants to kill my mum, who I actually really like. He's had enough of it. Henry, after his lovely little crash, wakes up, <laughs> right, and this is where we get a very strange character walking up to him, hanging a dead bird outside his window, and going. This is happening all over town. What's that about? Right, so Stephen King, he doesn't get on with Donald Trump. Always clashing with him, isn't he? Uh, on Twitter and that. Yeah, I've heard. Just in real life. I've heard things. Uh, but this scene was a bit weird because it was like they were... That guy seemed like he was taking the piss out of climate change, which is something that Donald Trump obviously doesn't believe in. Or was that supposed to be like the epitome of a Trump supporter or something? I think you've got to think as well... He does use he does say global warming, which is a bit of an outdated concept. Yeah, like you said, John, it, it is climate change. So you know he clearly is behind the times. This this fellow. <laughs> well, Castle Rock's not exactly ahead of the times, is it? It seems it seems Very lost true. lost in itself a little is it way. Even oh. in our time. Well, is it in our universe? Who knows? Um, but guys, I've done some digging because these bird suicides are taking a bit of a toll on my um, emotional you know, sort of lifestyle. I was like, what's going on? I'm sick of them. They keep killing themselves. Gaz, you keep having to imitate what the birds would say when they kill themselves. It, I find yeah. it weird. So I did a bit of digging. I'm so confused by what you've just said. There. Yeah, it's confusing. But the bird mystery, <laughs> like my mystery, is a unique phenomenon that occurs at Jatinga, Gareth. You're like this. Where's but that? It's Go in on. India. So Gareth will know. He does, he does geography, that's, that's how he knows. Between September and November each year. So in this little village, these birds just absolutely kill themselves. Loads of them. Um, they commit suicide at the village just after sunset between 7 and 10pm. So if you do want to see something like Castle Rock, I advise you to go to uh, Jatinga, uh, where you will see hundreds of birds fly into the ground and various other buildings uh, <laughs> just to commit suicide. <laughs> Do you want to advise that people to go and see that? That is fascinating. Well, I can tell you because like, I, I know you've sort of taken the piss, but I, I do know about Jatinga because um, it's... No, no, because it's up... It's, 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 in a, it's in a pretty spectacular bit of... Um, it's, in, it's in a part of India that's pretty beautiful up near the Himalayas, right? And so it's like very mountainous. And when I, uh. when I, when I was planning my trip to India, I looked into the... In, into, Assam, the state that it's in, and um, I didn't know. I didn't know that the, the village was called Jatinga, but I heard about this thing where birds are so confused by like the high altitude and there's sort of like really strong winds and stuff that they just I th- they reckon they just get confused and kill themselves. So <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe this global warming fella is onto something. 
Yeah, he's been weather. to Jatinga. He knows what's going on. Maybe yeah. Castle Rock is in Jatinga. Who knows? <laughs> and Gaz is right. It, there are reasons behind it. Scientific <laughs> reasons why they kill themselves. But like I said, if you are doing a tour of Castle Rock and you don't see the dying birds, <laughs> just catch a flight over to India and you'll see it all there. All in one little place. Near Lovely. the Himalayas, apparently. And so. you could just do a little side trip to the Himalayas. Mm. Um, Wendell, after hearing the schisma... Right, uh, loud and clear, says, yes, Mr. Schisma Noise, I will come meet you at the Breaking Bad RV. But as he gets there, he sees police, Odin, Odin's dead, and he sees a very cold willy out in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> oh, couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. How could you see him? <laughs> oh, I couldn't resist that one. I just said he, he did look small. He did. Mm. He, he, he does it dwarfed by the policeman. Well, Willie gives him the eye, doesn't he? He will. <laughs> he literally does as well. Right, like, enough willy puns for this podcast. Um, but yeah, that's all we see of that. But Wendell, why are you wandering through the woods? It's just looking he, for a willy. He's not seen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's not seen Blair Witch. It's just madness. Um, he's too young for Blair Witch. Probably that is very true. As Henry returns home, he hugs Ruth very emotionally, which I like. It's, it's you know he was very worried about his mother. Molly appears out of nowhere says she was on the bridge and then goes on to explain the crazy alternate universe theory she just saw on Reddit to Henry. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Zombabies. Uh, yeah, babies with that one as well. He does say something <laughs> extremely interesting and I think uh, very valid at this point. He says, well, yeah, this is a great little story, but let's look at the facts because he's a lawyer and he prevents, presents facts or what he believes to be facts to the jury, right? Referencing back Zombaby's post um, earlier in the in the pod. But he says, let's think about this. Anyone who goes out into the woods with him seems to die. Yes, very good point, Henry. Mm-hmm. Very good point. So why would Henry and him just go have a little frolic in the woods? He'll be dead in a minute. The phone rings. Ruth answers. Wendell? Yes, Wendell. He's at the police. <laughs> that's that's my impression of Ruth. <laughs> I just, I've lost it. She's not a witch. Henry goes to the police station because <laughs> turns out Wendell's there. He's been arrested with Willie. This seems like a simple thing for Henry. He's like, okay, yeah, you've got off the bus. I'm just going to take you home. What are you doing? They have a nice little hug. Um, as he's about to leave, uh, the really annoying police officer lady comes out and is like, right, now, unfortunately for you, Henry... Everyone keeps dying around you. And I was sitting there thinking, if this was a Netflix crime series, like Making a Murder or The Staircase, 100% I'd be watching this. So, <laughs> so interesting. I want to know who the lawyers are, you know, what's the defence, the twists, the turns. What's and all everyone's the... background? Exactly. Bang up for that. Owl theory, you go for it. Mm. But um, Love that. Henry's arrested. Crow theory. Henry's arrested. Um and, you know, that's that. He seems to be uh, fucked at this stage, as we, oh. as we say in England. Is that a technical term? It's a technical term. Um, fucked in his dad's suit. Oh, God. <laughs> By <a> one-eyed Willy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he's, he's locked up with Willy in the jail cells. <laughs> Carl, you're bigger when you're warmer. <laughs> now we move on to one of my favourite scenes of the episode, and one uh, which... 100% casts some serious doubt about the motivations of the kid. The warden, distraught after seeing the weird, creepy soap figure, goes to see Molly, who somehow, uh, you know, she knew he she, he was staying there. I mean, I don't know how she knows that information. Um, she goes there to inform her that the kid carved this creepy soap vigil of her and that Lacey was right. He is the devil. Then she starts acting all weird. La, 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 la. I'm just going to walk away. Blah, 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 I'm dead. Jesus, man. 
Yeah. Terrified me. <laughs> I did, yeah. Why is it, though? Why is it that seeing a little creepy soap carving of herself is what has freaked her out and ah, says, oh, he's weird, definitely the devil. Think... It's like, he's done a lot worse than that. Let's, you, If that's what's making you reach your conclusions, your priorities are all wrong. I think the thing that freaked her out more was that he'd started to drink from a really expensive wine collection and then left the <laughs> okay. I'd be really upset if someone, devil. Devil. <laughs> if someone yeah. came into my house and drank my nice wine, which is the one in the you fridge. You think they're the devil. I, Five I, quid. I'd lose my shit and run in front of a prison Blossom van Hill. backwards. Um, I don't drink fucking Blossom Hill. Sorry. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> I think it's interesting that we've always talked about this idea of the kids just touching people and then not in that way. Uh, and then they go mad or they somehow, like Henry says, they... they sort their own demise out or they you know he doesn't actually ever do anything himself i think in this episode we have to question you know the validity of that theory because some of his powers seem to extend past the um you know the idea of touching someone to make them go mad so i think that he he literally has some ulterior motives here and look he carved that you know he broke into our house left the little soap figure and then she started acting so weird. If you look at her mm. face over and over again, she just something comes over her. Dread. It's just I don't know what it is, but it's just an interesting point. This is another little marker, an asterisk in the episode where we need to start thinking about his motivations. Mm. So she's dead. Very final destination like that death, by <clears throat> yeah, the way. Yeah, I thought. Very final destination like, uh, and I love that because Final Destination One, I quite like it. It's a good. That's film. scary. Great film. It's a good film. Uh, the other one's awful, but Correct. you know the, the first one, all right. Henry's back in the interrogation room and he asks for his one phone call. He knows the rules. He's a lawyer. Uh, Molly arrives and this is what they discuss. You think he left it for Porter? It's exactly like the one he left in my office. I don't know what to believe about him anymore. Molly, I need a favor. A big one. I need you to take Wendell to Boston, to his mother. Okay. And from there, just keep driving. Start over. Somewhere warm, Virginia, Mexico. Just get away from Castle Rock, from all this. From me. You don't even live here. Yeah, well, it looks like I'm going to be staying here a little longer. So Henry's pretty much given up at this point, right? He seems resigned to the fact that he's going to be tried for these crimes, these murders. I mean, and he's a lawyer. So looking at circumstantial evidence, it's not looking good uh, for Henry at this point. Mm. Um, People are starting to look at him like they did when he was a kid. All those years ago in 1991, questioning his innocence. They all think he's guilty. And finally, his past has caught up with him. He can't run away anymore. In doing so, he asks Molly to take uh, Wendell back to Boston. And he pleads with Molly to leave this place behind. It has been a tether for her for too long. What did you guys think about this whole interaction between Molly and Henry? A very sweet one and probably the last time they ever speak with each other. It was a nice moment, but I do think with regards to the whole Henry being um, accused of these crimes, fair, like fairly, I think, really, because yes. one of the problems with um, this episode I found when I was referring to holes in the story is that both he and, well, I'm sure we'll come on to it, but Jackie, 
are suddenly away from the scene with Gordy and the axe in the head. And that seems to just be fine. It's like someone, someone's <laughs> dead. Like regardless of intent, yeah. someone mm. has an axe in their head. And but yet you're allowed to wander freely. That was very strange. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mental. The plot yeah. holes in terms of that are weird. And look, you know, as I said, if it was a Netflix series, you're on episode one, and you're like, oh, there's this lovely Henry character, and they're like, well, actually, guess what? Turn the editing. It's like, oh yeah, he's actually killed all these people mm. allegedly. Well, he's always at the scene. Yeah, of these exactly. Crimes. And they're like, oh my god, he did it. And then you get to episode two, and it's like there was also this guy wandering around the woods <laughs> at the same time. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. The yeah. police officer. <laughs> the police officer is obviously a bitch, but he needs to be arrested, and he needs to be. Oh. His like statement needs to be taken. Sorry to bring it, it into boring yeah. reality, but yeah. that. I think Absolutely, that was fair man. and he should have been there because that was annoying. It's like you're driving if, around. No one's like caught you yet. If you're a policeman and you would let... Or hen- woman. Or woman. Police, policeman, uh, policeman police or police officer. Woman, police officer. Um, Person. To allow Henry to leave the police station at this point is gross misconduct. Correct. You should be fired if I that think, is the case. I think it's illegal. What, to allow Henry to leave? Yeah. Yeah, probably should be. But Molly, um, you know, she says when she's leaving... The interrogation she finally tells henry the whereabouts of the kid which is harmony hill uh, where the kid said to you know uh bring henry here i'll show him something we cut to the kid uh waiting outside his own dead grave as it were because mm. in this reality we believe that he is you know he in his reality we believe he's the grown-up version of, of of the kid that never died yeah why do we think he what do you think he was going to show henry here what are your thoughts or ideas i mean henry knew this baby died we he referenced it in earlier episodes what was the kid going to show him i think he was trying to back up his alternate reality story by saying i'm i'm baby diva yeah um and you are just an imposter in my world in this world you you might make sense but mm. in mine I'm a live child and I didn't die, so I'm sitting in my own <clears> grave, <throat> and I think it's bullshit. Well, but okay, but, but again, like, what can he show him there? Exactly, what can yeah. what physical not, evidence has he got that Henry doesn't already know about? Yeah, it's not like he's gonna resurrect dig, the baby. The, well, well, we'll come on to that. Oh, but it's not oh, like he's gonna. Baby. He's, well, well, yeah, back to zombie babies. Zombie baby actually went on to to be a. a a, a great popular Reddit, Reddit theorist <laughs> in another uh, I, um, dimension. I'll give this more detail. <laughs> I'll give this more uh, flesh on its bones, shall we say. Oh, Ooh, God. Dead baby. Oh. Yeah. In King Corner. Um, but I think this might have just been a little hark back to something. Yeah. King spectacular. <laughs> something spectacular. A spectacular one. King Cannon-esque um, hark back. I think he was just going to use it as a tool to manipulate Henry further. Even mm. though, as yeah. we've said, he, Henry does know about this child, he was probably going to be like, this is where I died. The police arrive and they duly and dutifully uh, lock the kid up because they you know, yes. blame him for a lot of murders, completely validated in that because he has murdered a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Molly takes Henry's advice and she does take Wendell away, which unfortunately means that I have to eat some humble pie and yeah, say boy. that... Wendell yeah. somehow, with his terrible name, is making it out of this season. He's I do. A, on me, I do. A, yeah. Well, look, he's a good character, and he actually talks a lot of sense when he actually has dialogue. I mean, not um, actual Wendell, just the name. Yeah, mm. but I have to say, 
Uh, sorry, guys, for predicting his death. I know a lot of people thought it was morose of me to think that they would kill a teenager. But, um, you know, worse things have happened. Babies have died on this show. So, hey. And children have been locked up in cages for And children years. have been locked up in cages. Yeah, and talking three. talking about cages, the kid is uh, locked up with Henry in the police station. And gives uh, this gives them plenty of time to talk. Very convenient. Um, some could say Henry planned it. Um, but Henry Whoa. rightly calls him out here, saying that, oh, you've always said that you didn't want any of this. And then he presents the soap warden, as I'm calling her now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the soap warden is the uh, little statue. So I'm calling her the soap so warden. So many conversations. And here's a clip. I don't know how much time we have left. If the sound stops... I think I could be stuck here. As long as I'm here, things will get worse. People will die. I can't stop it. I'm not supposed to be here. And you didn't want any of this? If my mom had stayed in Castle Rock with my dad, in your world, I mean, what would have happened? He would have killed her. He knew all about Alan and Mom. She told me after we left. Romans 623. The wages of sin is death. One thing that I like about this scene is that obviously they're both they're both in cages, but they're both in parallel cages, aren't they? Again, it's a micro version of the bigger picture, isn't it? Yeah. You think it's symbolic, do you? I think it's symbolic of, of being in parallel universes and maybe as a hint to you know, the true origins of um Skarsgard. Mm. mm. Yeah. Bill Skarsgård. Definitely. Not the kid, but just Bill Skarsgård, the actor. <laughs> Definitely possible. He confirms in this clip uh, something that we saw earlier with 623 Romans, the fact that Henry Skarsgård is able to know that the Rev was going to kill Ruth once again. We have to take this as either he knew that information because he's from an alternate universe or because he's simply able to read, absorb information from people and things and know information. <clears throat> you know, he's absorbed a lot of information. Yeah. And there's a question about, uh, just want to say this right now, and there's a theory which I think I'll probably save for the season recap because I think, we'd, you know, it's better to save a lot of crazy theories for that. But there is the theory that, you know, the kid is some form of reincarnation of the Rev. And I think as the episode goes on, there is a lot of credence to this theory. The scene really develops here into one of my favourite scenes of the finale and actually one of my favourite scenes in the show. The prisoners from Shawshank get transferred into the cells. And the moment this happened, I was like, oh, Jesus, here we go. There's only one way this is going. They walk in. They call the kid Nick Cage, which Love we have, that. which we haven't heard for a while. He was called that for the first couple of episodes. And what are we referencing right here? Um, Face Off, yes. The Rock, yes, um, all of Nick Cage's best films. And this, this is really uh, when we need to consider the kid and his abilities yet again. So here, the way it's shot, the way it's built, the way it's shown to us, we are led to believe that he forcibly chooses to send 
the uh, prisoners and guards into chaos, literally starting a full-on massacre. Guards, policemen, innocent people, willy, all dead. <laughs> Fucking spectacular. <clears throat> yes, if you like a good massacre. To add on to my slightly shit theory about parallel cages, what happens when one of them leaves the cage that they're supposed to be in and joins the other one? Ooh. Absolute mayhem. Absolute mayhem. Very good point, Chaos. Guys. Absolute chaos. Total mayhem. Are we still thinking at this point the kid has got any semblance of, of decency in him? Because for me, this is it. Game over. Yeah. You um, think he's got none? Well, I like to think that even if he was a good character and say his version of events was true, that he came from an alternate universe, there comes a point where being in prison for 27 years, and maybe it's a commentary on, on being in prison. Maybe it's a commentary on isolation maybe. and captivity. Um, the fact that it turns you into a monster. And that is a very possible yeah. point. I'm not saying that he never was this person. I'm not saying that necessarily he always was bad, but I'm saying something has transformed him into this evil monstrosity that well, now is hell-bent on succeeding its goal in whatever that is. Yeah, so uh, obviously on our... Our live stream, Castle Rock YouTube. Yep. Um, Bonanza. Yeah. Collab. <laughs> Bonanza! Um, with, uh, with Castle Rock uh, Historical Society. We had this discussion, <clears throat> obviously yep. prior to uh, to finale. Mm. And uh, and Hannah uh, made the point that... Hannah, Hannah Selector. Hannah Selector on, uh, on Twitter, if you want to go stalker. So there you go. Uh, more followers. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, she made the point <clears throat> when we were having that discussion that I guess you get that thing with like black fish, where you get these uh, these killer whales that are yeah you know, they're they're fine they're they're all right in the ocean yeah they're just knocking about or maybe we're not documenting all of their rage in the ocean but yes. you know you lock them up for a bit and then suddenly they're ripping the head off one of their uh, their, their trainers yeah yeah so yeah there's definitely something about imprisonment um, and captivity and what it does to a to, does to a being what it does to a conscious being you mm. know you are the uh, in prisoner. But are you also the prisoner? Are you caging somebody or also being in a cage? And the interesting thing that just to riff on that um, is the <clears> fact <throat> what uh, is said at the end of the episode, which we'll come on to, is the fact Dale Lacey always yes. said, you know, what side of the cage are we on? Like, because it, it, is it a heavier burden being probably. the jailer or being the, the prisoner? And Hatred is a cage. Well, it, and well. it is, Lucy. And actually, I was, was going to, one of the things I was going to say is that um, we've talked back and forth about whether the kid is good or bad or in the middle or like just completely innocent of his evil. And I think this episode really forces you to choose between whether he is good or evil. Or evil. But also, I think, whether he is culpable or not. Mm. Yeah. And those are very different things. Mm. And I think that I've read a lot today on Reddit and various other review sites and I'm still slightly in doubt, which I quite like, but there is a choice between has he been uh, possessed by something, a, a force something. or an evil thing or has he chosen to just take his powers and use them for evil. And yeah. I think that is a very interesting question. Yeah, it is interesting. And Willie seems to have making his mind up here. <laughs> Willie, with his dying breaths, says something uh, which might lead us to believe that going into the woods might not be the best idea. Don't, don't go out there. 
arm. Henry, we need to leave. No. Don't go out there, he says, uh, Willie, as he dies and utters his last breath. Um, Don't go out there, Willie. Then the kid uh, does something we haven't seen him do for the whole season. He becomes quite forcible. He pulls a gun on Henry. Uh, so more twists in the tale. R.I.P. Willie, we hardly knew thee, or at least I hardly knew thee. Yes, as they wander into the woods, we see flashes uh, back in 1991 <laughs> when the Mad Rev was chasing after Henry. Mad Rev. We'll come on to it in King Corner, but we may as well mention it here because it's so obvious and delicious and yummy. A lovely, no! delicious, yummy Easter egg about to be eaten by me as I talk to you, which is, I'm sure we all saw it, is Henry backtracking in his own steps uh, to fool the Rev. This is clearly... Clearly, the shining, cl- the shining. This is clearly the shining. I mean, this is too obvious, Sam. I can't put this. We can't put this in King Corner. It'd be a travesty. It'd be a travesty to put it's it in King Corner. I've got in King Corner. Jesus, fuck. Um, gonna be a light week. But no. Um, so that's a very nice little Easter egg and a very good tactic. And I've always thought it's a good tactic. The Rev wanders up to the bluff. He sees the flock of birds again. Again, he's in Jatinga, and uh, oh, Henry out of nowhere. Absolutely pile drives him, spear tackles him off the... Um, he pushes him. He pushes him. <laughs> he pushes him. Yeah. He pushes him off the cliff. So, Gareth, he did do it. We doubted it at times. In 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 the uh, live chat on Sunday, me and John and Hannah and Acadia believed that something along the lines of Henry would go through the schisma, the Rev would try and join him and just walked off the cliff, sort of coyote style. Um, yeah. That didn't happen. Yeah. That would have been better. That would have been better. Um, yeah. Gaz, what are your thoughts? What annoys me about this is the fact that all of these, all of these dickheads, you know, like that creepy guy is going, "Hey, killer!" at the start. This dickhead policewoman, everybody that's judged Henry and has, has thought of him as a villain, is actually right, and that's 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 annoyed me. I think he's he's kind of he's justified. You know, he's trying to hundred percent justified. Save his mom. 100%. He's trying to save his mum, but it just annoys me that he is he had he did it. I thought maybe the birds were going to swoop down, and as they came flying down, they're going to go, "We're going to get you, Reverend, because you're going to kill your wife. And that's <laughs> not allowed." And then knock him off, but that didn't happen. No, I was disappointed that it had to be Henry. You're obsessed with um, doing impressions of birds trying to kill themselves, but um, what 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 I do like here is the fact that it makes Molly's actions weirdly heroic in a way. In killing the Rev, which we kind of judged her for, and she's judged her whole life on, we always were a bit speculative about what had gone on. But the fact that the Rev uh, was going to kill Ruth, and she possibly knew this because of channeling, obviously Henry's emotions and and the way he was feeling at the time, she took the very brave act when Ruth was even in the room, and we've been acknowledged that you know it's been acknowledged that Ruth. Saw her do it, take the tube out of her husband, and she let it happen. Proves to me that Molly was actually doing her an heroic act, which I think is is a very nice little turn for that character. Something that she's seen as a tragedy her whole life has actually been a very good decision because otherwise mm-hmm. Ruth would have been killed. But I still feel like this is quite underdeveloped. The whole Molly killing the Rev thing is like she did it, and we know why because we've seen it now but it doesn't seem to be still to be clear to her like she yeah. doesn't seem to know why yeah. yeah like we don't explicitly know at this point whether molly knows that 
and she certainly hasn't communicated it to. Mm. I mean, she doesn't have to, because no. because then it would be very on the nose. Just like, yeah. I killed your dad because no. obviously your mum was sleeping around and yeah. he found out having an affair. Yeah, the fact that she kept seeing him can like sort of um, signified guilt that she felt bad about it. <clears throat> Um, and she never, she didn't say to Henry at the time when he told, she told him, oh, it's because he was going to kill your mum for having an affair with the sheriff. Yeah, spoiler Alan, warning Alan for the finale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I think in that way, it's like Molly, this is where I think the show has fallen down a bit as a character like Molly was given quite a lot of importance and significance. But then something like that. Um, that she's done kind of has fallen by the wayside a little I, bit. I do find it disappointing that her character just literally leaves and then for yeah, the final very poor. For, for the final sort of culmination of the season when you're you know she's intrinsically linked to the events of 1991 then um, she's just out <laughs> she's just out of town just in Florida just like she's just, yeah. yeah I mean that shit. that is a bit interesting I mean, it's interesting it's different and uh, you know it, I was annoyed with it when I watched it the first time and it's it sat better with me on rewatches but let's move on back in present day and as they are wandering through the woods a helicopter flies overhead helicopters have weirdly been quite prominent over the last two or three episodes hmm. uh, talking about crashes and all that sort of stuff weird don't know what anyone wants to read into that uh was it a police helicopter i don't know it didn't look like a police helicopter it didn't have a searchlight yeah yeah it didn't have a searchlight i mean that's a very good question Uh, and and once again the schisma might have been taking effect there it might have been that helicopter crash that we've heard about and all that sort of stuff god that'd be mad wouldn't it if it was a helicopter from another dimension yeah exactly exactly it's very weird as it flies overhead uh it gives henry enough time and this is a spear tackle, to spear tackle the kid, take the gun. And this is when I literally was like, for me, arguably the most... Shocking horror, right? Arguably the most shocking moment of the season. Um, Something that I was not expecting to see. I was expecting even more ambiguity than we got. Um, We see the possible true form of the kid. Now, I'm sure... A lot of you have freeze-framed this. I have also freeze-framed this. It's um, a creepy, old, zombie-type-looking version of the kid, or the Rev, because, to be honest with you, um, if they're from the same ilk, then they will look similar. Now, there are some theories on this uh, that we'll come on to in the season recap, because I think it's just more powerful if we go through all the theories there. We also hear a very strange demonic sound just before we get this reveal of his face. So... Just like that, John. Um, so just saying, anyone out there who believes the fairyland story that the kid gave us about the alternate reality last week must be in some serious denial. If some part of his story isn't true, what happened to what happened to Henry for 11 days? Where was Henry? Well, exactly. And, and, and there are gaps that need to be filled in and we'll never get them filled in. But I'm just yeah. saying... <laughs> But I'm just saying there's no way that story that the kid told was 100% accurate. Be it that there are That's the thing. discrepancies there. I'm not saying it's all a lie. I'm saying that portions of it are definitely a lie. There are no, There's no two ways about it at this stage. It's, it's not verbatim. I don't know if you can necessarily... Because I feel like everybody, everybody's saying, oh, look, he, he turns into... He is some sort of devil thing. This is... But we are seeing that from Henry... Henry Deaver's perspective isn't there the possibility that Henry is wrong Henry sees that in some way like yes it, we, we we're only seeing Henry's the only person that's seen that that face I mean that's not necessarily true I mean we, we need to be aware that we don't know the answer to the question because it's obviously a lot of ambiguities involved but there has to be a reason why Dale, Dale Lacey thought this guy was the devil now 
The most likely explanation in my mind is the fact that if Dale Lacey was wandering through the woods, like we we know he went to the woods, the woods was his church, it's literally said in episode two, he would have to see something quite interesting to arrest this kid. There's no way he would just go, oh, there's a kid wandering through the woods, I'll capture him. So in my mind, I'm not, I'm making leaps, but the show is asking you to make leaps. It's not just going, you know, and I'm sitting there going, maybe Lacey saw the same thing that, that Henry sees here. Uh, Gaz is correct in the fact that uh, what he's seen, uh, or sorry, what we've seen as viewers is we've seen this image of him looking like some old zombie thing or whatever. So we know explicitly that we've seen that. Yours is based on speculation. Yes, but the, the, show, so, the show's asking that, but yes. Okay, but again, if we're, if we're acting on explicitly what we have seen as an audience, mm. anything could have happened for Lacey to lock him up. But at this point, all we have seen is that. Um so but so that's it like and i i get that i do get that, that the show is asking you to speculate i i get that look i mean fucking hell if there's if there's any show that has ambiguity flowing through it more than this then i mean that's that's lost. another show that lost <clears throat> yeah i guess so i mean definitely yeah. lost well yeah but i, I guess the, the difference in that is they had that, six seasons yeah exactly that whereas this is a self self-contained story i wasn't expecting this next thing to happen so we've just seen we've just seen arguably the most shocking thing we've seen all season advert break one annoying two we jump to a year later Mm. one year later yeah after what we've just seen now i'm gonna be honest with you i was raging at this point i was literally sat there because i knew that we were doing i knew that what they were doing i literally sat there and was just like oh we're not going to get any resolution of what just happened in the woods, really. We're not going to get the conversation that happened afterwards. We're not going to get Henry's, you know, and that's very important, that whole conversation that happened afterwards and what happened after that event. Um, I needed to settle down, and I did. I did settle down. Um, but everything seems better here for Henry. He's practising law where people don't die, which is, you know, a good a move in the right direction. Property law. Property law, you know, you know simpler times. Somehow, and there's... This is more questions. And next week in the recap, uh, the season recap, I'm actually going to provide a list of questions. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to go through each question. We're going to be there for a very long time that are unanswered. But somehow he's got away with the massacre of all of those people, the murders, when he was in the prison cell and the breakout and all the policemen in the station dead. <laughs> somehow a year later, oh, we know how court processes in, in the, the US are drawn out. Um they are. That's a fact. Um, and how is it a year later and he's fine? He's practicing law again and everything. So there's a lot going on there that is very, very speculative in terms of narratively. You know, we yeah. don't question the show about the supernatural stuff, but come on, let's get these little bits and pieces right. Maybe two or three years later would have been more acceptable. <laughs> Look, um, it's been a year. They won't remember. They won't remember. <laughs> um, no, I have, to, I have to say, I think when it, when it, when it came up with one year later... That knocked off an entire blueberry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that as annoying as John and the nineteen ninety one? It is annoying. It is. It is annoying. I have to say that was very annoying. Um, It would have been stronger if they just didn't put a year on it because the audience will be smart enough to figure that out. 
to be honest with you, that it's obviously time <laughs> has elapsed because it's just weird. Yeah. And it wouldn't um, matter if it was one or three. Mm. It's Christmas and Wendell's come back to town um, and we have some voiceover from Henry here and his whole voiceover is extremely interesting and ties into Lacey's voiceover, the Rev's voiceover and the whole setup of the season, the original trailer for the show. Um he mentions things saying about how Molly got away and how people, you know, can forget this place, but for how some people, they are trapped in this place. Some folks get away. Spend the rest of their lives trying to forget this place. Maybe they do forget for a while. Some never leave, no matter how hard they try. Most of us are trapped here for a reason. Everyone in this town has some sin or regret. Some cage of his own making. And a story, a sad one, about how we got this way. It wasn't me, it was this place. That's what we say. But that's a story too. It doesn't change a thing. Maybe something turned you into a monster. Or maybe you were one all along. Sad here that Ruth has passed away. In 2019, she's passed away. I find it... As I said about closure, it's interesting that her, her character got some form of closure and now she's buried with Alan and her unborn child, um, which, you know, relates to the kid again, I guess, in some way, shape or form. But uh, it is frustrating that we didn't get a couple more sissy moments during this during this um, finale. He says things very interesting here in the, in the uh, lockup at the end of the season as Henry approaches the same hatch or cage that Lacey built, they have a very interesting interaction and one which poses a lot of questions to its audience. I know you still have doubts, Henry. How long are we gonna do this? After a while, you forget. Which side of the bars you're on. (laughs) 
That's what Warden Lacey used to say. Merry Christmas. Look how things turn out for him. That clip is extremely interesting. How much, you know, how much doubt is there in Henry's mind? That is a question literally posed by the kid. Um, Henry stops as he's climbing up the ladder. Um, how much doubt is in your guy's mind? I want to know, like, at the end of this episode, we're asked to decide as an audience and make our minds up one way or the other. There's no sort of halfway house here, I don't think. I think there is literally an A or a B side. Um, and to anyone to say there's a C side, I think, is, you know adding more ambiguity to the situation but I want to ask you where you guys fall down on it um, and just think I want you to think about an image in your head as you think about this um, think about and, and listeners think about this as we go to the credits and just before we go to the credits uh, we see this amazing tracking shot of the kid in his bars close up on his face as we go between shadow and light very interesting choice um, you know very very good shot indeed and uh, we see him creepily one last time look into our souls and uh, grin at us there's a very slight smile on his face one that is extremely terrifying mm. think about that image mm. I haven't stopped thinking about that image. yeah exactly uh, and what would I'm going to go around the group now and just take your immediate reactions because it's quite immediate we've only seen the episode about 24 hours ago and we haven't had much time to stew on it. These might change these opinions, but I want to know if you think the kid is who he says he is or if you think he is something else. I'm going to throw it to John first. I mean, he's, he's evil, isn't he? I think he is. He's evil. definitely evil. And uh, whether or not he was good before and then became evil, yes. or whether or not he's always been evil and the yes. rest of it was just a nonsense, you don't smile in the dark. Yes, you don't. Who's he smiling at? Who is he smiling at? Imagine <laughs> that. I, I, right, if you're a listener... And you live alone, and if you live alone, that's fine. Um, yeah. Well, look, I mean, look, we're with you. But if you go to bed and you're smiling in the dark, you're evil. And, <laughs> and that's how it works. No one smile in the dark you on their own. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, Gareth, throwing it to you next. Yes. Do you know what I was thinking at the time? I thought he looks so much like Pennywise now. This is weird. Um, obviously, hate that theory, but... I, it was it, it. He gave off some seriously evil vibes. Oh but yeah. You have to say. You have to say. Imagine this. You spent twenty seven years locked up in on your own yeah. in the dark with the occasional baseball update, and then yeah, you, <laughs> two home runs get, to none. Yeah. Repeatedly, <laughs> you get a, you get a couple of couple of weeks out in the open, and then you're back in the fucking cage. I you, you would you would absolutely lose it. You would. Definitely go mental. Um, do you remember um, that bus journey, Gareth? Me and you in South America. Five days I was on a bus. Oh, my God. Literally five days. Yeah. And I can testify right. that I lost my mind. Did, Did you, you smile in the kid? I smiled and started banging my head on the chair in front of me. Jesus. <laughs> I dark. thought you were going to say you were, you were banging some someone. No, I very so, much Jesus, I very much man. lost my mind. And Gareth was the eyewitness, luckily the only eyewitness to my brief banging. insane <laughs> spate. I mean, there, okay? there were all the... Uh, there were all the Peruvians and Venezuelans on the bus that saw it as well, but I think they thought that was just some <laughs> cultural thing. But yeah. it, it went a bit further. Len, Len was punching himself in the head. He's he's well, undersold it. it a bit there. I lost it, guys. He absolutely lost so it. Dramatic. Yeah, I, I can I can be quite dramatic. Don't go on a bus for five days straight. Okay, the smile 
yeah, he. I mean, he is the devil for doing that. However, maybe he is still who he says he is, but it's obviously turned him evil, but he is evil. And I reckon his smile was because he was like, yeah, I'm getting to him. Yeah. I'm I'm making my mark. He's I'm got working some him, doubt. boy. Yeah, he's like, yeah. He's come to me on Christmas. He's bought me a burger. Don't even like chips, but, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll stuff him I'll down. eat him. I'll but, eat him. Okay, but what's his angle? Because... I mean, does he just like getting locked up for 27 years, winding someone up, and then they he kill themselves, mm-hmm. going out for six months or whatever it is, and then getting locked up again? He doesn't have people skills, yeah, so he doesn't no. know how to yeah, relate tricky. to people or persuade them of the truth. All right, Emma, throwing it to you next. Thoughts? I've, go on. I've got an angle. Uh, so firstly, I think he is absolutely evil. Whether that is what the kid first started as or not is debatable, but yeah. currently now you cannot deny that. Mm. Um, I think that even if you are caged up for 27 years, if you are the incarnation of evil, you get off on the psychological oh. torture of your captor. Yeah. Fair. So one of the things he says is, you know, am I the one caged or are you or something along those lines? You know, who is the one who's trapped and who's caged here? Who's who's the prisoner? You. I'm, I'm now going to the cinema. <laughs> Whereas you're sitting in the dark, smiling at yourself. So. Yeah, yeah, but it's my house, so I don't care. But he's a prisoner in his own um, mind because he's but, trapped. You know, exactly. Henry's trapped in Castle Rock now. He's Thank trapped you, it. He, he's someone who wanted to get away from this town for his whole life, and he, now has to settle and be there for his whole true. life. Molly's not even there. He you has know, to what's his life like? You know, it's shit compared yeah. to what it was probably. He now so, has to stay here and be the captor of the kid yeah. because he is the what? There's a savior, the White Knight of Castle Rock. Yeah, exactly. He's taken up the mantle of Pangborn of Lacey. So something that he sure, didn't yeah. want to be. Yeah, and, and that in itself mm. is a uh, sentence. Throw, throw a is. grenade down there. I Just throw a grenade. Yeah. Throw, so, Frodo. If, yes. he is, if he is the devil, as in the actual devil... Why can he just? Why would he just stay in the cage? He's not the actual devil. It's just it's, we don't evil. understand what the devil is, do we? It's, it's a term that people put on things that are evil. Well, I mean, if he can use his powers as he did against the prisoners, yeah, why can he not use his powers against the likes of Lacey well, or Diva? The interesting, because the interesting thing is, he did use his powers against those people when it came to twenty-seven years. We know that the well, the event, we know that the event of twenty-seven years is very important. It's mm. the only time that the schisma opens up again. The point of him using his powers on Henry at this stage seems extremely pointless because he'll get out and he won't be able to get back. He won't be able to achieve his goal. Mm. But if he manipulated Lacey like we believe after 27 years and the Rev was manipulated after 27 years to kill himself then that that throws very interesting things into light and and there's a lot that we need to discuss in the wrap up I think we need to we need we need to wrap it up because it's been going on for a very long time I think that the kid is evil it doesn't matter necessarily uh, if he was or wasn't at the start he has become this evil entity whether through transformation by the schisma transformation through his time in captivity you know Castle Rock sits on this hell mouth this evil area that we've talked about before so um, it's extremely interesting and on that note uh, we move on to a bonus credit scene who knew this was coming so um, there are there are people out there and I can say this right now this bonus credit scene is more divisive than the ambiguity of the episode because yep. we've had feedback saying they hated it uh, and John Clee from his little raspberry noise hates it um, but there is there's definite divide on reviews in social on reddit on facebook about this end credit scene so let's talk about it i'm going to play the clip the axe felt right in my hand but let me tell you when i heard the pop of a skull giving up its secrets felt the root and stem of a cleft brain stopping the blade i realized where that axe really belonged dead center 
of the good professor's head. It's like a horror or whatever? That's pretty reductive. I don't get the title. Overlooked. Who's overlooked? Backstory. You know, ancient history. It's family history. I'm actually headed out west on a research trip next month. The best place to finish a book is where it started. I read that somewhere. John's going to be angry about this, but I enjoyed it. And the question that was asked is, would it happen at the Overlook Hotel? Would season two happen at the Overlook Hotel? Because they are setting it up. I don't think it will. May I throw a rock mallet in the works? Because in the novel, The Mm. Shining, the Overlook Hotel is burnt down. Yeah, I think we've established in earlier episodes that they're not taking the book as their form of verbatim they're taking the they're taking the shining film because they mentioned the axe and not the rock mallet for several times and that's only in the film adaptation so um it's an interesting thought that they could go to the overlook i think it won't happen because the one thing that the showrunners said before the show started was that the only thing that's going to stay constant in the show was the town itself and the characters are going to be interchangeable um around the town Mm. so it would feel very strange for me to move miles away to a different location and plus setting a 10 episode run in the overlook just seems like a bit overkill for me um so (laughs) overkill on the overlook overkill in the overlook so look guys i mean it was an excellent scene in terms of the fact that jane levy gets something to fucking do now my main problem with that is you've got this amazing actress who is up and coming and she's in a lot of good horror horror shows at the moment she's not seen don't breathe go check it out it's awesome She's been underused because she's... I think the the scene in the uh, Dead and Breakfast was excellent. Mm. I think her stuff there was excellent. Mm. She's, like Gara said at the start, there's a couple of characters that are afterthoughts. Yeah. They've not been utilised properly. And, and, you know, she's a writer. I mean, that's just too on the nose with with Jack Torrance, isn't it? Mm. And she's going to the Overlook. That's too on the nose in a way. But... If they had used her correctly, that scene would have had a bit more, you know, a bit more weight to it. It would have been a bit more interesting. They just mm. didn't necessarily get there. And that's a, that's the problem with the episode in a way. They put a lot of ideas out there and some of them hit, but quite a few missed. But overall, as we said, the aesthetic of the season, the soundtrack of the season, the way that the tone and the Castle Rock itself was made to feel like a character. It's been a very good season of television. And I'm sure we'll talk about it and we'll blueberry the whole season in the recap that we do next week for the whole season. But until then, I think it's time that we now move on to the final King Corner of the season. I'm innocent, Red. Just like everybody else here. The house is burning. Hi, Georgie. I'm afraid I have a tendency to turn up the heat. Red rum! Red rum! Ladies and gentlemen, it is the final King Horner that is episode specific. Are you ready for this? So first up, who remembers the dark half? Lucy? I remember it. Uh, Where is our major dark half reference in this episode? Boyd's. Birds. Boyd's. Birds. Boyd's. Killing themselves. Oh, uh, so there's a giant flock of birds. Jatinga. In Jatinga, and we've 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 moved and also countries. the birds above Hen- uh, Matthew Diva before he meets his doom. Ah, well boys. done, Lucy. So they come around twice. Um, that particular 
part where the birds flock in and Henry Diva, our Henry Diva, mm. crashes is very reminiscent, do you not think, Lucy, of the moment where Alan Pangborn and also Tad Beaumont is uh, driving towards the uh, Beaumont summer house in Castle Rock trying to defeat George Stark. Yes, <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. There you go, listeners. You heard it here first. Whoop, whoop. It's been verified. So, uh, so we'll move on to The Shining. And my first note in terms of uh, Easter eggs has been stolen by Lynn. It was so obvious, Emma. If we put it in King well, Corner and acted like, oh, we've spotted an Easter egg, it would have seemed like an absolute joke oh, and a farce. Yeah. Oh, we were. Oh, so Jack Nicholson was sitting in a restaurant earlier. <laughs> Do we all remember the song 24 Hours from Tulsa? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Where did we last hear that one? Uh, in Alan Pangborn's car multiple times. Uh-huh. Does anybody uh, remember what the lyrics in that song I can sing it for you. Tell us. Uh, I'm going to put it in at the end, but yeah. 24 hours from Tulsa. Uh, I'm going to, after that beautiful karaoke session, uh, tell you all that 24 Hours from Tulsa is essentially about a woman who goes to a hotel and uh, never comes home. So, how are we relating to a Jackie? Woman. Yeah, Jackie so Jackie Torrance, Torrence going to the going Overlook, to the obviously. Yeah. She did that. Yeah, it's nice, yeah. nice little reference there. So, presumably, then that that geography lesson that I gave a few episodes back comes into play as well, right? Because the the, the so. Overlook Hotel could definitely be twenty four hours, hours from Tulsa. Yeah, definitely. Who knows? Maybe Gareth. Maybe you should get. Why don't you get a little map out? Get a little protractor or ruler or something and figure out the scale and how far the overlook is away. Oh, actually, you've yeah, already done it, mate. Week. If you could do it on a picture and send it. me a photograph, I'll post it on the social media. Least like post of all time. <laughs> <laughs> no. Everybody loves maps. Your what are you talking about? has been reported. <laughs> boring. Too funny. boring. Yeah. So, right in that post, like mid post credit scenes. Oh, yeah. It's the. Uh, I, I'm going to. WKT 100.3 which is owned by Stephen King and partly is, partly owned by Stephen partly. King and is actually a radio station in Maine in the state of Maine so that's that's mm-hmm. interesting that they use that and they referenced it in episode 5 I believe and a lot of the yep. radio chat has been from that radio station okay so we come to one year later towards the end of the episode and uh, Henry is representing a gentleman probably not a gentleman but a a man who has a property dispute over a building he has erected with a woman yeah. called Wilma Jerzyk. Lucy, do you remember Wilma? Lethal things. And who was she connected with? Leland Gaunt. Leland Gaunt, Nessie Cobb and Alan Pangborn. Yeah. There you go. The big four. So Wilma Jerzyk and Nettie Cobb. They were two of the highly affected uh, residents of Castle Rock during the reign of Leland Gaunt and Needful Things. They killed each other. Yes, you are correct, Mm. Lucy. Yes. Uh, Violently and very publicly. Yes. And they were the, uh, what we call maybe the uh, patient zeros of uh, the apocalypse of Castle Rock before it was saved by Alan Pangborn. So Mm. it was a beautiful little reference. Mm. Yeah, nice little reference. Good one, that. Naughty man. That's a good one. Well done. Great corner this week, guys. Great corner. And it's back over to Len for the feedback. How do you like it? (laughs) Okay. Let's talk. What do you want to talk about? 
Hello and welcome to Feedback. And I just want to say off the bat, it's been amazing to hear from everyone this season. Uh, the feedback section has been amazing and talking with you guys via email, via Reddit, via social media has been great. Um, we've really appreciated all of the sort of theories and, and the opinions on the show. It's really helped us and informed us on things that we hadn't thought of. So thank you very much. There will be one uh, final round of feedback uh, next week. We would like your opinions on everything. So please do email us at fancriticalpodcast.com at gmail.com that's fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com just send us an email or reply to us on reddit or any social post whatever you fancy um but if you give us something you know like a theory or your opinion on the season you know we might mention it on the podcast so it's all good fun we've had quite a bit of feedback and most of it was obviously before the finale but we have had some finale feedback too um so here's the instant take or hot takes from some of our listeners on the finale amy had this to say on facebook um what that was it because in all seriousness <laughs> yeah. uh, in all seriousness to be fair that's the way we're all feeling after this ending Good feedback no but it's very fair very yeah. fair reaction um len not me another len has let us know his thoughts on jackie and that end scene hi if i wanted to comment on romans jackie torrance really seems tacked onto the show mm. Hated the corny ending where she yes. said she's going to the Overlook. This is what I mean about it being divisive. Yep. This is me, Len, talking. This is the not, parallel not, not other Len. This, this is pa- with this, you. this is my twinner. Um, he, he might do. Um, no. And the rest of the show was great, though. Jackie, not so much, he says. But he, I asked him if he enjoyed the season as a whole, and he said yes very much. So thanks for that, Len. Thanks for that me, parallel me. Denise has this to say, and thank you very much, Denise, for writing in. Uh, Socrates said that true wisdom is knowing that you know nothing. Well, thanks to Castle Rock helping me achieve true wisdom because I don't know anything about what I just watched or what's happened this season. I love that little sentence. That's, a- <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. Nice. That's brilliant. Uh, man, they sure gave Chekhov the finger or fingers as the case may be. Very, ah. very good. Ooh. I can only think that some of the things presented this season may come back into play in future seasons. Otherwise, I'm just not sure why they gave us so many threads that just didn't go anywhere. And so many wonderful mm. actors that really weren't given anything to do. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. That's just so odd. Well, looking forward to your thoughts on this and to next season because I still love a weird creepy story well done Denise thank love you your Chekhov um, references there Denise yeah, yeah very good thank you very much yeah. Denise that is bang on with that Cindy has asked us this and this was before the finale but I still think it's relevant to this point even after the finale I haven't heard much talk out there about the Norse gods in connection with the series. In Henry Skarsgård's or HS's world he takes his mum spelt mom because that's the way Americans would say it, forgetting her her Norse demigods. In that same timeline, he has a cat with Alzheimer's. In a previous episode, one of the characters is named Odin. Uh, There were a few other things. Anyhow, everyone is kind of ignoring the Norse bit, probably because King hasn't really gone there in his own books. Now, Lucy's chomping at the bits. Um, Now... Before you do, Lucy, I just want to clarify, we have mentioned some Norse gods no, in isolation, but Lucy, little, go. It's just a little nugget, as we would say. Um, Cindy, I agree with you. And actually, I don't know if Gareth will agree with this. I don't know if you've read it yet. I did buy you it for your birthday. Ooh, um, Spoiler Ameri- warning it's not for a birthday present. It's not Stephen King, but um, it does involve Norse gods. American Gods, the novel by Neil Gaiman. Oh, yeah. I love that book. A lot of this, <clears throat> and the early part of this series, reminded me of that book. Um, so the fact they're bringing up Norse gods when um, Odin, spoiler warning, Odin is, is features in the book. Yeah. Um, what is really well, gods, isn't it? Yeah, American gods. Yeah. Um, 
it kind of really relevant and it did make me think of that show well the the book and some of the show when i first started watching it so very good point cindy i'm Ve- on board with you very very good point and let's see if norse gods become a constant theme maybe throughout the other seasons that happen of the show because mm. they're gonna have to keep some some threads going and some key themes going i think mm. like the yeah, crimson yeah, yeah. king references all that stuff that we've mentioned before in king corner yeah Everyone's moving dead. on sherry had this to say Still some unanswered questions, but I love the reveal, reminiscent of Linoge, just saying yep. so Storm of the Century, which she mentioned last week and we've been talking about a yep. little bit on the show. And the kid's devilish smirk at the end. Fantastic. Love me a demonic chaos maker. Some people say it was a surprising ending, but from uh, from what I've been reading uh, throughout the series on Reddit, I think it was for many people. I guess I'm too jaded and cynical. I was just buying that. I wasn't just buying that smarmy car, sma- car salesman like pitch the kid was selling about the other world that was just oh so fabulous. Molly, you're living the perfect life. I have the cure for Alzheimer's. But I guess there's those who will always be ready to fly off to Sugar Candy Mountain with the raven from Animal <laughs> Farm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bang on. Well done, um, and luckily for pessimists like me, those people are bringing balance to the world. Um, she hopes that whatever the entity is um, that moves through dis- different people potentially and maybe inhabits the kid. Um, and she hopes that this will be an un- a unifying thread uh, of the seasons to come. And maybe we'll be brought back to this at the very end of the whole mm. series. So that's mm. an interesting point that I very. think is, is, is one to note. So thanks for that, Sherry. Brandy, thank you for emailing in. Uh, you've said this. You love the podcast. So that's very nice. Very happy to hear that. And she was happy to hear that we're going to continue with this podcast after the show is finished. Mm-hmm. Um, she just wanted to point out one Easter egg we missed from episode nine, which was the alternate Skarsgård universe. Uh, when Henry Skarsgård walks past the church announcement board, it has a wedding announcement on it for Meryl and Duchamp. So uh, we did miss that. Teddy Duchamp Te- from Stand By Me. Yeah. Beautiful. So we and did. Ace Meryl. So, gay marriage. So oh. we did. <laughs> well, we did miss yeah. that. So uh, just want to say brilliant little spot and uh, Emma that's penalty points for you. Um, <laughs> Get the fuck out of my house. Yeah, well, that's true. We're in Emma's house today. Yeah. Don't Leave. reveal our secrets. Um, Charles had this question, which is still relevant, and I thought to be one of the more interesting questions that I've seen um, after the whole show. Do you think how the diva baby died in our reality has any bearing? Could Matthew i.e. the Rev, as we call him, have killed the baby trying to get it to resurrect just as he was back in the day? definitely something he'd try. That's horrendous. So that's a really good question, right? Yeah, it's a good question, but isn't isn't it implied that the baby is like a stillborn? Like, you know, it just says, his gravestone says the baby, the baby diva born to the heavens. So presumably he died, he was born... (laughs) dead as we know well you know there's maybe more to that story than meets the eye i it's just think really it's interesting it's a legitimate theory and i hate it but yeah I, I, yeah it's creepy and charles i love that and then he's got a question that we're going to throw around to the group right now and i'm just going to on the spot you here and i think this is a good question for us all uh, and for the listeners wow. going forward john won't be giving any information because he likes his picture, picture books. books but, um, but I'll, tell, I'll tell you what if if i was gonna start reading a, a king book now yeah. i would, would probably be? start reading the the dark tower series yeah that's right and i think you'd really enjoy it actually I, john I, I guess that's that's something that uh, yeah 
intrigues me. Yeah, so he, uh, Charles asks, glad to hear you'll be continuing the podcast because each of you recommend your favourite King books and I will I will kick it off. My favourite one is It. Um, it's very obvious, but I read it at a young age. I think it has a lot of amazing elements that you see in things like Stranger Things and even the new reincarnation of the show now. It has a lot of darkness and a lot of horrible events in there. So it's a very adult book as well. Um, so I would recommend that. I think that's, you know, my personal favourite. Emma, what about you? Well, I mean, I've got to say, I, I echo John here in that I'm about to start reading the first book in the series of The Dark Tower. The Gunslinger. The Gunslinger. It's on my Kindle. It's ready to read after The Talisman. Thank you, Acadia, for your recommendation last week of the live Q&A. Yeah. Been reading a lot about Twinners. Um, but I have to say, and I think this is probably not far off from our preview pod, The Shining, spectacular piece of fiction. And... Um, much more terrifying than the film. That would be my well, recommendation. Well, interesting. If you want to be scared shitless. Lucy? I'm going to recommend a book of short stories because I love a short story and I think it's very accessible if you're not used to reading a lot or you're not used to the work John. of Stephen King. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would recommend Nightmares and Dreamscapes, which has some really scary stories in that. And also, I'm going to give you a second one as well, Different Seasons, which contains Shawshank Redemption and the body, which yeah. is relevant to the show. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Gareth, throwing it to you Le- next as the teacher. You should have some insight here. Let's go. The Mist. I'm joking. The Mist is shit. Um, <laughs> uh, I was actually... I, I was, I'm, I've was. i ordered uh, just yesterday Nightmares and Dreamscapes, Lucy. Yay, yay. Um, you'll be okay. You'll be pleased to hear. Um, but um, for me, Pet Cemetery. Um, yeah. I, the book is, I, I, yeah, I think it's great. Um, I've actually told a couple of my students to read it. Um, oh, they wanted something scary. Jesus, how old are they? Like, you, don't you like 12. Teach like nursery, don't you? <laughs> I just want to do the potato painting. No. Too young. <laughs> that's too young. Um, so, yeah, that's our recommendations. It, Dark Tower series, start with The Gunslinger, which I believe is the first book. Yep. Uh, Nightmares and Dreamscapes or Different Seasons, um, that would be our recommendations. And I think there's a very varied, widespread of Stephen King there. Next, uh, Jackie Torrance on Reddit, uh, who took part in our live chat. And guys, just a reminder, the live chat will be happening again this weekend. Uh, had this to say as a theory about the show. Uh, and the finale. Have you ever heard that Native American story, the thing about the two wolves, how everyone has two wolves inside them, one good and one bad, and the one that wins is the one that you feed? I don't think the kid is the devil. I think he has just two beings inside of him. One is Dr. the Kid, the optimistic, intelligent Alzheimer's doctor from Boston Rock who slipped through the thinny after he just tried to help (laughs) little Henry and he found his dad's basement. And the other is the demon baby, the soul of Matthew and Ruth's dead baby that was buried in the town cemetery. When Dr. the kid passed into original rock through the thinny this is getting confusing the schisma uh, tried to course correct uh, this presence and merged him with his twinner the real- in this reality which was the demonic dead diva baby mm. that explains for me at least several things why the kid's eyes change colour and we've talked about that in the live podcast as well why he's able to, to subsist of non-normal diets aka straight white bread and single yeah. french fry and his constant changes in behaviour and mood what does the doctor kid want to go home what does dead diva boy want revenge Doctor the Kid's persona is constantly vying for control with the Demon Baby one, and in the end, the Demon Baby wins. He succeeded in two regards. Not only does he imprison the kid within the cage Lacey built for him originally, he also imprisons Doctor the Kid inside his own body. And bonus, Demonic Diva Boy persona gets to play mind games with Henry Diva every time he comes down to bring him food. 
Obviously, there's more to the theory than that, but they're the bare bones. I quite like it. I think there's a lot in there. that There's a lot of nuances to it, and there's a lot of interesting crossover. But that schisma course correcting, I could easily see that being something that's happened. I like that. I like. I, I think that's. I think that's a, a great shout. That um, yeah. If if there's a, an alternate version, then it tries to merge the two of you. Like that's that that makes some sense. I yeah. I don't know whether whether he would necessarily be in constant battle between the two selves. Mm. Um, it's that. It's that old story about good. You know, the good in a person, the greyness of a character, the the good versus the evil, and which one wins out in the end. And the interesting thing about the kid that we all agreed on is the fact that at the in the end evil has won out regardless of the journey that he's been on and what or what he started out as the eventual thing and destination that we arrive at is that he is an evil entity and that's our opinion and, and someone else might have a different opinion that's the thing about the ending but it's just interesting to consider that um judging all the evidence that's our ju- if we were a jury we'd find him guilty and like we said at the start we find the kid guilty on all counts, sentence him <laughs> to life in prison. Yeah. Well, I think also in this episode is a, is a great example with the entire series bookmarks with a morality question in that <clears throat> can you find him evil or can you find him not evil? It's a morality question, isn't it? It's, it's very philosophical. Uh, can you clarify what is good, what is evil, or what is somewhere in between that is just human? And and can you honestly say 100% that the kid is evil? Yes, obviously he is. He's a devil. Um, But throughout the other, like, (laughs) 9.75 episodes, you can't clarify that. And and actually, I think if you look back, the one question we've all been asking ourselves as an audience is, is the kid good or is the kid evil? And that is what we are left with. And that is what the audience is left with. And that is where we are going to leave this episode so that's it season season finale but don't worry as i said earlier we will be back we're going to be back this sunday at 1 p.m eastern time 6 p.m gmt here in the uk talking with castle rock historical society uh giving our thoughts on the finale and our hopes for season two it will be a participation event so there will be opportunity for you listeners to get involved in the live chat maybe we'll even send some invites out there and there'll be a video discussion potentially we, we need to iron all those sorts of um things out but we're going to post the link uh and the information in the next few days and we'll post the link on sunday uh to the to the thread to the live chat and it was really fun last time we had some beers we had some laughs and some chats with some listeners and it was just there were questions in there that we just hadn't thought of and things that made us look stupid at times because we hadn't like even no, thought, speak, yourself, so. speak for myself yeah um so please do get involved with that we really would appreciate it and it's a good way to sign off the season but not only that we'll be back next week at this time on the release of this episode Ooh. to have our season recap where we're going to go through crazy theories hopes for season two our highs our lows and of course the most important information of all how many blueberries does this season get? Whoa. 19. Well, 19 would cents. be... Well, if there's four of us, five of us, it could it could be 19. I it, don't think she's aiming for that. No, I don't, <laughs> no. I, I, it's not in her vocabulary. But that's it. And uh, I want to say thank you to everyone this season because it has been amazing for us. We've had a lot of listeners and a lot of participation. And that's mainly what we want. We want... Um, people to feedback to talk to us to you know come up with theories to discuss theories and for that it's been incredible 
um, your participation has been so valued by us. Uh, we give up a lot of our time to do this podcast, a lot of research, a lot of hours. You know, we have day jobs as well, but we give up a lot of time. And we hope uh, that you guys have liked the the podcast that we've delivered. And if you have, we would appreciate the subscription. We will be continuing in the off season, as I said, covering Stephen King films. And there's a lot of funny ones out there, so it's going to be some really fun podcasts in the off season. But we're also going to riff on the pre-production for season two as well, and give you any information we have on that. Mm. Um, please do subscribe. Fan Critical is our other podcast on all the channels: Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, all that jazz, iTunes, Google Podcasts, whatever you like. We appreciate the support. Leave us a review. Blueberry us. Do what you want. Um, we would appreciate we love the reviews we love the blueberry reviews as well because that's just keeping our little theme of the blueberries going and, and we're very appreciative of that but thank you one more time see you on sunday at the mellow tiger for a drink and a live chat if you want to join us for that and if not we'll see you next thursday for the season recap until then thank you very much guys and how much doubt do you have That I won't be home anymore For something happened to me While I was driving home And I'm not the same anymore Oh, I was only 24 hours from Tulsa Only a day away from your arms I saw a welcoming light And stopped to rest for that is when I saw her As I pulled in outside of the small hotel She was there And so I walked up to her Asked where I could get something to eat And she showed me where Oh, I was only 24 hours from Tulsa Only one day away from your arms She said